I'm declaring a public health emergency of international concern over the global outbreak. Voices of courage caught on tape as Chinese residents of Wuhan, China shout out to each other from their balconies, where the largest quarantine in history is taking place as the coronavirus goes global. The virus has spread to 25 countries with more than 20,000 confirmed cases and more than 400 deaths. Canada is working to evacuate citizens from Wuhan to our Air Force base in Trenton. Today on Context, we speak with a Canadian teacher in Wuhan who's opting not to return to Canada and a Canadian disease specialist who contracted SARS will separate fact from fiction about the deadly virus. That's all coming up next on Context. Wayne Duplessis is a school teacher in Wuhan, and although he is a Canadian citizen and could come back to Canada, he has decided to stay there. Wayne, why? Why are you staying? Good morning. Well, I'm, mostly I'm staying for my family. My, my wife and my oldest son are Indonesian citizens, so I can't leave without them. My younger son, my youngest son, is a uh, is a Canadian citizen as I am. And you're actually separated, aren't you? Your, your, your wife and your son are in another part of the city. And tell us about just how you're managing to keep track of each other in a lockdown like you are in Wuhan. Okay. Actually, it's my oldest son that's in the other part of the city. My wife and my youngest son are here with me. Okay. And how are you doing so keeping track with your son? Uh, we stay in contact through WeChat, the the uh, Chinese uh, platform, uh, social media platform. So we we talk uh, two or three times a day, or or on WhatsApp. And With yeah, it's worrying because you know you want your family there. You certainly want your children there. Okay, and the entire area of Wuhan where you are is in quarantine. Are resources and basic needs running thin? Are you getting on each other's nerves being all locked in like this? We are lucky enough to have enough water. We're lucky enough to have uh, rice and uh, some things that we got on our last shop, uh, our last trip to the shop, I should say. And uh, But meat is a bit in low supply and I don't know they've just had uh, other shipments coming in from other parts of uh, the country so it may be that that has been replenished but we haven't been outside the apartment for about six days now. Oh my. Now you and your wife um, follow the Christian faith. How has that helped yes. you in this time? Well it's helped immeasurably and I have to be honest that uh, uh, I was raised Catholic, and I was a lapsed Catholic, to be frank about it. Uh, when I met Emily, and we talked about, you know, you talk about religion, and you talk about things like that. My wife is Chinese-Indonesian, and she's Christian. It's been an adjustment for me, and I'll be honest about that. It's it's not the way I was raised, and it's it's something that I I work at, and I'm I'm trying, and. Uh, I have my doubts from time to time, so, um, and this has been a test of our faith, and I think that we're we're coming through it, and we're coming through it together. Before we go out on the street, we have a little family prayer, and uh, we try to pray together at night, and uh, and uh, 
I say Emily is a is a lot more um, diligent than I am about keeping that. And do you think Emily is experiencing a peace of God, or is there also deep fear? I think it's a bit of both. I mean, her faith is quite resilient, and we've been through a few things in our in our time together. Of course, we lived through SARS in uh, in um, 2003. We were in Liaoning Province. Um, so we've been in China for a while, but in Indonesia, we've had our share of problems. And, uh, when, uh, the government of Suharto fell and there were, was rioting in the street. And of course we were in our home and we weren't able to leave at that time. And for much the same reason, the evacuation order came in and, uh, they said, well, all Canadians can go. And well, I had my family there, not just my family, but my wife's family was there as well. Thank you for explaining to us the complexities and the loyalties when you are a international family like you are, Wayne. Um, Wayne, I wanna close with this. You sent us some video of people encouraging each other from your balconies. What exactly is this video that we're gonna close with? Well, we were, we were in here talking and then we heard out on the street and it was it was indistinct. So when we got out, then we realized that what they were saying was Jayo, 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 Wuhan Jayo. And Jayo is let's go, uh, come on. So they're encouraging each other, trying to build up each other's spirits. Uh, and so they're shouting from their balconies, you know, Wuhan Jayo, Wuhan Jayo, come on Wuhan, let's go Wuhan. All right. So it's... Uh, well, you've made this very personal. Thank you, uh, Wayne, for taking us right there into Wuhan, into your home where you've been locked up the last six days. We do send this with prayers that you'll be able to reunite with your son on the other side of the city and that you and Emily and your, your boys will be safe uh, and get through this coronavirus just like you got through SARS. Thank you, Wayne, for joining us. Thank you, and uh, God bless you. Our greatest concern is the potential for the virus to spread to countries with weaker health systems and which are ill-prepared to deal with it. 251 Canadians quarantined on a cruise ship off the coast of Tokyo after 10 people on board contracted coronavirus. They will have to wait out the standard 14-day isolation. Are these measures overly cautious? for stopping the spread of coronavirus. Here to help us understand is Dr. Allison McGeer, an infectious disease specialist who actually contracted the SARS virus in 2003. We'll get to that, but first, Dr. McGeer, people's imagination runs wild when this goes right across the globe. Are we, um, are we overly reactive here on the, on the cruise ship? Well, you know, I think we're at a really difficult time with what's happening with this coronavirus. Up until, I think, a couple of days ago, we were really hoping that China would be able to contain transmission and that we wouldn't have to learn to live with this virus spreading. Uh, I think now we're all recognizing that um, the effort to contain the virus has failed. It's a virus that is successfully transmitted person to person. It's not possible to control its spread with public health measures. We're going to have to learn to live with it. Okay. But we still don't know exactly how dangerous it is, and there's still not much of it 
in countries outside of China. And so people are saying, you know, maybe we want to slow this down. And, and because of that, they're having to make a number of really hard decisions about whether people are quarantined and, and how they're quarantined. So I think the scientific evidence suggests that quarantining that cruise ship is probably not the right thing to do. Wow. Um, but it's a really difficult decision to make. Okay, so what should we do as uh, Canadians, as people in America, uh, wanting to stay safe from coronavirus? Well, I think the first thing to recognize is that at this moment, today, tomorrow, probably for the next week, there is no transmission of coronavirus going on in Canada or the United States. Nobody needs to worry. You don't need to change anything. Wow. Uh, but don't wash you, our hands. Don't worry about that. No, no, I didn't say. I'm assuming you're washing your hands five times a day anyway, because you don't want influenza. Okay. Right. Okay. So this isn't about this isn't about not doing things to protect yourself from respiratory viruses. This is about not doing anything different um, because you don't have to protect yourself against coronavirus at the moment. Oh. But it's almost certainly true that it's coming, and that that. Arrival might be measured in weeks. Um, it, it's really hard to predict what kind of time frame we're talking about. Um, and when it comes, then people are going to want to think seriously about intensifying the um, making really sure that you clean your hands with soap and water or alcohol hand rub five times a day, making sure that you cough or sneeze into tissues, into your sleeve if you have to, uh, making sure that you keep your hands away from your face making sure that if you get sick, you stay home so you don't infect other people. Those are all things that we know will slow the spread and help protect people. They're pretty boring. It's going to be hard because that, those are the only things we have to protect us, um, but they are important. Okay. You had SARS in 2003. Tell us what you wish we could have done for you as a medical worker then or your advice for the medical community as we face another uh, epidemic like this? So, I, I, you know, m my job is infection prevention and control, and I don't think that um, anybody failed in protecting me during SARS. We had no way of knowing that the virus was coming to Toronto, was in Toronto at the time it started and the time I got infected. Um, we were not well prepared for it, either globally or uh, in hospitals in Ontario. That situation is very different now, um, but I think there are likely still going to be some risk to healthcare workers. It is, I think, going to be a challenge to in in all healthcare settings to make sure that healthcare workers are protected from the people they care for. In the same way that it's going to be hard to protect everybody living in society, which is what we'd like to do, right? Healthcare workers and everybody else are not different. Um, we want to be able to protect absolutely everybody. Yeah. Um, so we are so much better prepared um, than we were before, and, and there are a great many things will work. But it still is, I, I think there's a possibility that this is going to be another tough time in healthcare um, where there are going to be more than usual sick people, um, and more than usual sick people and, that you And Dr. McGeer, you, you reminded us, influenza or coronavirus, be just as vigilant for what we would call the common influenza because it has already killed Canadians this winter. Yeah, 
you know, it, it, this is kind of a balancing act, right? We, I think we're probably overly fearful about the coronavirus, although, you know, until we know just how serious it is and, and that data is evolving, but, but we don't have a really good sense yet, um, it's hard to know how worried to be about it. But there's no doubt that we don't worry enough about influenza. So it, it is important to hold on to the fact that there are lots of respiratory viruses around. They do quite a bit of damage now and we live with them. Um, so adding a respiratory virus, uh, a new respiratory virus to that mix um, may not be that big a deal. I, I think we're still all really hoping that this virus is not as dangerous as influenza is every year. Um, and while that doesn't mean there's not going to be illness and 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 hospitalizations and deaths associated with it, um, it it may not be um, a, a a really difficult thing. You know, we we might see something that just looks like a regular influenza wave in the winter, and that we can cope with um, pretty well. Um, that's I. I and it might be better than that. We, All can, right. we can hope for something better than that. Okay, thank you, Dr. McGeer, for uh, reminding us to be cleaning our hands five times a day, uh, sneezing into Kleenexes, and avoiding people who are having respiratory contagion. So uh, whether it's influenza, common cold, and hopefully not the coronavirus. So thank you from Sinai Health System in Toronto. Thank you for joining us. Pleasure to talk to you. Take care. Well, Canada's Chinese population has been especially hit by the coronavirus information and misinformation. Here to help us understand just how to navigate this in the Chinese community in Canada and around the world is Richmond Hill Member of Parliament, Daisy Y. And Daisy, you are an Ontario Member of Parliament. Yes. What's your community going through? Oh, our community is suffering heavily from it. I am supposed to go to different kind of Chinese New Year events. I would say about two-thirds of them are cancelled. What uh, is the economic impact of that? It is serious. When I say two-thirds, those events, they will have 500 or maybe 800 people. And can you imagine? They have all the food pe prepared. They have all the manpower. Christmas, like uh, the Chinese New Year's time, is almost like the Christmas time that we have here. So if you have all geared up for the Christmas thing, and then all of a sudden everything has cancelled. So two-thirds of your Chinese New Year events, uh, and I've seen your schedule, it's daunting. Yes. All of a sudden you, these things are all cancelled. Yes. Say for example, to this afternoon I'm supposed to go to one that is organized by the, by the radio station to for Chinese New Year event for the customers it's just cancelled and I'm sure it must be like 300 people so there's an economic impact serious um, serious economic impact how are you going to turn that around or, or how do we turn it around we will just have to encourage people actually yesterday together with the Ministry of Health we encourage people that we are at low risk in Ontario and in Canada. Okay, let's just take a pause on this because you are commissioned by the government of Ontario to speak on behalf right. of the Department of Health. Low risk? Low risk, very low risk. Define that a bit more. Uh, if we see uh, the, the results from the 
influenza, it can be more serious. And that's why we have been doing a lot of vaccination for people ahead of time. Okay, so that's on the influenza. We just had Dr. McGeer on this show explain we don't yet know. And I think that's the worry about coronavirus. We don't know if it's going to get worse. What do you say to that fear? Uh, we, we are really seeing everything, measuring all the numbers all the time. Uh, we also make sure that we gear up in the healthcare system, gear up everything for it. And if you see right now, we only have three cases in Ontario. Out of the three cases, two of them, only one of them are in hospital. One of them has already been out from the hospital. The other one is so minor that it's just staying 14 days quarantine. So it's not that serious. The risk is really low, but we're overreacting okay. so much. Let me talk a little bit about overreacting because there's been uh, far too much misinformation on social media, a lot of misunderstanding, uh, a lot of Chinese school children, local businesses uh, being affected by this. Take a look at some of the social media boards that we've pulled just as a sample. Um, what's your thought on this when you see, uh, here's one where, where they're saying people are literally dying in the streets. Here's another one where they're saying parents are abandoning children at airports because the kids are sick. Totally false. What's your, what's your impression here that's happening? Some of the information that we see in social media, they are not true. And some of them is overreacting because they see a lot of cases in China. China, especially in Wuhan, that is the place that we do have challenges. But Canada, we have gone through all the precaution and we also check all the people coming in as well. We do not check it like the way, the same way that Hong Kong checked it, but we have everything tracked. And the results is telling us that we do not need to awfully concern about it. Because when we do, we have other problems, which is a lot more serious, like the economic impact it will do on those businesses. Okay, you're gonna be back with us. We're gonna ask a few more experts, but I'm gonna come back and we're gonna talk about that very personal attack right. on racism and identity Thank that you. is part of this. Because yes. you uh, you know that a bit frontline because you stand as a Christian member of parliament and now Chinese, mm. navigating some very interesting tensions. Daisy Wai yes. will be back with Thank us you. after this. Well, some experts tie the outbreak of the coronavirus to Chinese wet markets. That is where the SARS outbreak began 17 years ago. Dr. Chen Chong Si is an expert on wet markets and food safety and security in China. You're from the University of Waterloo. Thank you for joining us. First of all, let's talk about the wild animals that were at the wet markets, because that's where it's believed the virus started with wild animal consumption. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think existing studies find that it's connected to wild animal consumption, um, but it's not confirmed which kind of uh, wild animal it is. Okay, so what is the wet market and why are there wild animals at it? Wet markets are the major food source, especially for fresh produce and meat for Chinese urban residents. Um, they are densely distributed in Chinese cities. A large city typically has a few hundreds of wet markets. 
Um, they have many of these wet markets that they have live animals for sale. It's mainly chicken, actually mainly chicken or ducks. Um, but some of them have wild animals like this Wuhan market. Well, uh, I also want to clarify this Wuhan market is technically a wholesale market. Um, but wholesale markets are the source of food for wet markets, supermarkets, and many restaurants as well. Yeah. Your book on uh, food security that you and a few other professors have written reminds us that people go to these wet markets a few times a week. Like this is just part of Chinese culture is that food should be fresh. And if you have to kill it at home, that's just a good thing. Yeah, uh, the reason that people shop at wet markets is that uh, wet markets are able to provide food at a lower price and also food there is fresher compared to those in supermarkets. Uh, the other reason, as I said, is because wet markets are very densely distributed, so the accessibility is really a key factor as well. For a lot of Chinese, for example, according to our survey in Nanjing, 90%, uh, more than 90% of households can access wet markets within walking distances. Uh, yeah. But it is an important part of food security yes. for many parts of the globe. But it's the wild animals that is the problem for if a virus is going to spread. Right. Will China ban the sale of wild animals at markets? Well, in 2003, after the SARS outbreak, the Chinese government has crack down on the sale of wild animals already. Um, but they also issued permits to some vendors to, uh, to allow them to sell a limited species of wild animals. And after this outbreak, uh, the Chinese government has banned all wild animal trades temporarily. They said after the epidemic is over. Uh, but we don't know what will happen later and how long the ban will last. Okay, doctor, let's take this to my Canadian table. Are you adjusting the what, what you are eating? Should we be adjusting what we're eating in this virus watch down? I would say no, because this whole outbreak is related closely to wild animal consumption. Uh, and it's a specific kind of wild animals that's uh, got the virus transmitted, according to the scientists, from a particular kinds of bats in China. So I don't think Canadians should worry about their food safety here. Okay, not wildcat salmon, not my sushi table, nothing. We're all good. Not I, eggs, I'm, I'm hearing eat cooked eggs. I, I don't think that's a problem. That's, uh, as long as uh, the Canadian um, agencies, or the government is performing their role to ensure that all this food is, is passing the hygienic inspections. Yeah. Okay, food safety. Uh, Dr. Chen Chengxi, thank you very much for setting us at ease. Thank you. Thank you. Let me be clear. There is no place in our country for discrimination driven by fear or misinformation. Well, back with us now is Daisy Wei, MPP for the city of Richmond Hill, which is home to over 30,000 Canadian Chinese residents. And Daisy, racism that the Prime Minister referred to there, mm -hmm. uh, discrimination. Are you seeing it in wake of the coronavirus fears? At this point, I have not seen it myself, but I agree. There is no place, no place for discrimination. And not only the Prime Minister said that, yesterday I was at a press conference with the Minister of Health. We're saying the same thing. 
and we have been stopping the people to discriminate. Either we concern that ourselves or people discriminating us. And soon as there is some of this kind of discrimination, this has been uh, uh, reported by the news. Let's say, for example, there was one saying that, hey, you know, getting a Chinese say you drop something, you drop a coronavirus, mm. you know, and it's not, it's not very nice. And uh, we don't need this kind of thing. Let's just work together and go through this very uh, challenging time for some people. All right, you know a thing or two personally about that because uh, not only have you broken through the barrier of being a Chinese um, MPP, but also a Christian mm -hmm. Chinese identity is very important to yes, you. Yes, it is. How does your uh, partnership with your Christian faith work in your political life? Sure. On this issue too. Christianity is a big part of my life. I basically just go with the direction I'm given by by the Lord. And I just followed his direction as it is given to me in the Bible. But in this case, uh, like a lot of people are concerned that if they go out in the public, will they be facing being, um, uh, they will have this virus, com uh, conceive this virus. Uh, I would not worry about it. I'll just do the best I can. You can protect yourself from a lot of things. Does it mean that you don't go out to drive? You're concerned that you'll get hit by a car, you know? You just do your best. And I, I, I know the Lord's protection is with me. And all of us will, will die one day in some way, somehow. Yes, and you, you act, it's, it's, it's great to hear you have such confidence in oh, the yes, Lord's protection. I do. I do. Because you actually decided it was your Christian faith that was going to get you involved yes. in public life. Yes. Why? Well, I honestly really hear his calling and I just submit to it, even though this is not part of my plan. If he wants me to do something like this, I find it as an honor, a privilege, and I want to do my best. That's why I want to work with you and also the others to fight against this coronavirus that is impacting a lot of people around us. With fear, with misinformation, and mm -hmm. just that reminder, uh, the common flu we should be as concerned about mm -hmm. with our hand washing, with yes. avoiding uh, colds and flus, right. and uh, five times a day hand right. sanitization. Yes. <laughs> All right. right. Daisy, thank you so much oh, for being part of us, and thank you for serving as a member of Provincial Parliament. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. MPP for the City of Richmond Hill, Daisy Way. trust the information you're getting to be from a reliable, truth-giving community, you act. We talked about a difficult issue that we need to repair today that takes that kind of trust. Protecting Canada from the coronavirus or influenza takes trust. And I think our own participation in a church or faith community and the instruction of faith leaders is part of building trust on national safety issues. Community that you trust versus social media information, well, that's a big difference. And that's why Christian faith communities are part of delivering a message on how to avoid the coronavirus. Hand washing, using tissues, thoroughly cooking meat and eggs, avoiding contact around cough or fever. You will notice this message affecting how we all gather in community. And when churches are plugged into the vulnerable issues in their communities, 
futures change. And that's because the Christian gospel builds wisdom into people. And that's a gospel guarantee for a safer future. And that is one reason why activators of Christian hope will be engaged on community care around virus education. So find out more reliable information for your health in this time of coronavirus fear at our website. And while you're there, you may wanna check out my new YouTube feature. We've called it Better With The Bible, daily nuggets to give God's best source of wisdom for life. It takes a village here to keep it all working. So from all of us at Context, thank you for being with us. That was our full show that's posted every Thursday on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get our weekly episodes and web exclusives.